Welcome to episode 133 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. The Toronto Fringe Festival starts this week, and I wanted to remind you of two special episodes of Stageworthy that you won't want to miss. On July 7th and 14th, I will be sitting down with a group of Toronto Fringe artists, and we'll talk about their shows, their experience of Fringe so far, and what shows they have loved. Those episodes are recorded and released on the same day, so the Fringe news is as up-to-the-minute as it can be. If you want to drop me a line, I would love to hear from you. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at PhilRickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. This week, my guests are Haley Pace and Daniel Walsh of the Teeny Tiny Music Show's High School Symphony, which you will find at the Randolph Theatre as part of the 2018 edition of the Toronto Fringe Festival. The show is High School Symphony. Mm-hmm. Yes. And now this is sort of, this is a departure for you, Haley, because previously your shows have been site-specific um, for Fringe. So that was uh, the Teeny Tiny Music Show, both in Hamilton and uh, last year at the Toronto Fringe. Um, this is the first time you got in on the lottery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that sort of presents a little bit, Pardon something me. a little different. Um, in terms of staging this time. Yes, it does. Um, what what have you... What, aside from um, there being a designated stage that you're expected to work on, what, is that, what has that done for you? Man, I wish Ryan was here to talk about that because <laughs> he's the one who's going through that mm-hmm. hell right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, every time I talk to Ryan about the staging, he's always like, I just want to crack that proscenium open. I just want to <laughs> crack it open. Like, I hate proscenium so much, mm. you know? And it's because the nature of our show is so immersive and we're so yeah. used to playing with, like, having the musicians hiding behind bars mm-hmm. and having them hiding in the entrances and yeah. the exits and the fire doors and everything. Yeah. And and this time it's it's quite a challenge because we're trying to capture that immersive element of the show without it feeling like it's just a kind of stale proscenium mm-hmm. show for lack of a better word. You you're at the Randolph, right? Yeah. Which isn't last time it's not quite proscenium, it's proscenium-ish. It's, it's proscenium. Okay, <laughs> like, we were really hoping for the annex because mm. it just, it's a little bit more thrusty. Yeah. It's like the stage isn't on a rise and mm-hmm. they they have like those beautiful wooden, you know, booming yeah. and everything like that and it kind of made your stage warm and it made it feel like maybe it was a school or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. But the Randolph is just a big giant black void. And I, yes, think that, yeah, yeah. I think that they gave it to us because our group is like, you know, comprised of 10 people. <laughs> it probably has a lot to do with, with your numbers just yeah. to fit that many people yeah. on in the space. Yeah. Mm. So it's been quite a challenge um, mm. for Ryan, yeah. the director. Um, he's really working hard to put people up in the balconies, mm. to plant people in the audience, like casting the audience mm-hmm. as um, students yeah. um, and just kind of 
working around those dynamics yeah. the best way we possibly can. That's mm-hmm. the only way to do it. Well, that's really all you can do. Yeah. Um, what? Can you t- well, tell me a little bit about uh, what uh, the High School Symphony is about? All right. So um, like many of my shows, uh, they're all based on true events from my life, um, which are fictionalized and uh, become their own life. within the world of the show Mm -hmm. so high school symphony is about a friendship between two catholic school girls Mm -hmm. who are faced with suspension for sexually harassing their teacher (laughs) okay (laughs) which is actually something that happened at my high school but were 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 you one of the did you sexually harass a teacher (laughs) well um it's a funny story because <laughs> how do I explain this? Um, you know how you are when you're young yeah. and you just don't know the implications of your words. Sure. You're stupid when you're young. Yeah. yeah. We all do those things. Um, and then, of course, when we're older, we reflect on our actions and realize that was kind of fucked up. Um, so um, when I was in grade 10 sociology, uh, I had a teacher mm-hmm. who was very attractive and me and my friend would kind of always make jokes about him to ourselves between each other Uh but she would always take it one step too far okay you know it was kind of like okay like all right that's enough like we're all kind of shying away at this point like (laughs) i never took it that far but she's the one who just went over the line with Mm. it and one day she was caught talking about his ass um and another teacher heard her talking very loudly about his ass and that's why she got suspended for sexual harassment so it's she can't have been the only student to talk about a teacher's ass but it to be caught is a different thing okay, okay, like okay, and she okay. wasn't like a quiet girl oh. like she's like a loud girl who's very verbal and vocal mm-hmm. and okay. doesn't care who hears it okay so i think it was just a misstep for her and mm-hmm. and she ended up being punished for that and, okay and you know it went around the school and wow and okay it was quite dramatic for all of us <laughs> and so and so you've you've taken that story and uh transformed that into um because this is not just a play this is a like an immersive marching band sort of experience is that right yeah (laughs) yeah so we our first show that we ever made with the this marching band theater Mm -hmm. company was a show that was styled around like a cabaret uh bar Mm -hmm. like um singer piano double act experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then throughout the duration of that show more musician would add to the arrangement of the music by surprise so um so, you know, you'd have them popping up behind the bar and, and we did that show in the Hamilton Fringe. That was where we premiered with the company yeah. and it turned out to really work yeah. with the audience. So we just, um, since that worked, that immersive element that excited people, got people interested in storytelling, um, we we went further with the idea with the mm-hmm. company and just said, okay, let's insert a different story mm-hmm. into the formula that we've created and see what happens. Yeah. And some questions we've kind of had about the band is like, should we make the band part of the narrative? Yeah. Should we include them? Like some ideas we tossed around were like, maybe we should have like the band 
is at the beginning of the show warming up for an assembly yeah. or something like hmm. that and to make them part of the show. Mm -hmm. But we're still kind of fiddling around with that idea if we want to make them part of the show or just sell our show as this is the kind of storytelling we do. Hmm. Hmm. Dan, you can speak on that. Yeah, you, but you're still trying to figure out um, whether, like, how much the band is going to be, like, part of the show right now? Or? Yeah, so, so I think, like, one of the, like... Uh, I can at least speak to some of the changes that we've made already since the last show. So uh, last year we had a pretty huge band mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and like uh, that was a really interesting experience because it meant that you had a lot of people to work with. Yeah. Now that having been said, it also meant that like it made arranging for it really tricky and it made it made things more difficult that way plus we had some players that really wanted to take on a lot of the show and some players that just couldn't because right. you know they had other other things that they were involved in so this year we've we've kind of gotten more of a focused crew on uh like in terms of the the musicians so mm -hmm. we've we we've down downsized a little bit on that end but um but on the other hand, what we've done is we've given them a lot more speaking lines. Uh, mm -hmm. We've incorporated some, uh, uh, like, sort of, I guess the way you could say it is, like, inflections. Uh, like, musical inflections mm -hmm. that <clears throat> enhance the, the dialogue a little bit, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, plus, just, uh, I think the music, the at least the way that I've always been kind of thinking about this is that it's... You know, the whole story is kind of taking place from the perspective of Haley reminiscing about this series of events, mm -hmm. right? So when you're a teenager, and most of this takes place in, like, grade 9, um, like, grade 8, grade 9, then he, there's, like, a certain magic to it, and there's a certain amount of, like, you, you don't remember all the dry bits, Right, you, right. you 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 yeah. remember things a little bit enhanced because everyone glorifies their childhood to a certain degree. Right. So this kind of the the music is there in large part to kind of augment that, mm -hmm. to give that that feeling of like when you know when you're reminiscing about the good old days when when the radio played my music, <laughs> you, know, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but except like we're in our twenties, so it's not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's kind of interesting because not only do you like heighten that in retrospect because you know these were the glory days or whatever, but also because of all of the you know the the flush of hormones going through your body, everything is heightened oh, anyway. Totally. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. like. The music must must help to 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 highlight that as well. Yeah, no, it yeah. It, it definitely like kind of you know we uh, we sexify a number of characters within the show. So basically, go and make a big deal out of them, and and uh, you know, and Haley's got a, a couple of different crushes in the show, and they they mm -hmm. turn into key kind of uh, key characters within within how the the show works. Mm -hmm. So that. Uh, you know, and the music is there really to to help drive those moments yeah. and and to make them stand up from that. And conversely, when there's certain times where we just lay out the music and then it's like, oh, this person is like lame as fuck. This they're not how I remember them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to or like they're not they're not as sexy as I perceive. Right. You know, um and that's also a, a thing that happens when you're a kid. You know, like you, you put people on pedestals and then yeah. 
And then there's like that that moment where you go, oh, holy shit, you're garbage. <laughs> you know? Yes, like, yes, yes. You know, so so there's a certain amount of that, like where where like the coolness of of certain characters gets downplayed mm-hmm. by the fact that now, you know, they're not holding an instrument. They're not playing anymore. Yeah. There's no there's no music. They're mm. just some guy talking about something. Right. Right? Mm. So very much like a musical. Mm-hmm. We take the classic musical and we don't question the fact that the actors start randomly singing. Sure. We don't question the fact that we see an orchestra in the pit. Mm-hmm. We accept it because we we understand musicals as a, a genre of theater mm-hmm. that tells stories. Yeah. Um, and we go, okay, well, that, I suspend my disbelief into this and yeah. I buy into this world. That's what I want to start going to into that direction with the sure. Teeny Tiny Music Show, yeah. that this is the world mm-hmm. of our show. Our characters speak with their instruments. Right. The world of the show is augmented with music, mm. and that's how we tell stories. Yeah. Um, this is a little bit of a departure, because the, the Teeny Tiny Music Show um, had song like, you covered songs right. in that. This, at least in the iteration that I saw, and we'll talk about some of the, the, the lifespan of this show in a second. I don't recall anybody singing. Mm-hmm. And I don't, rec- there were, as far as I recall, they gave everything, all the music was original. Most, yeah. yeah. There's uh, there's a couple of covers in there, but yeah. They see, like, it was completely, uh, at least in my memory, unnoticed. Right. Mm. That we were covering something and it wasn't all, like, awesome original music. Yeah. Um, so... Is there anything in particular that drove you to the to that difference between from uh, covering well known songs to um, original music? Well, I definitely wanted to go in a different direction with the show because I'm trying to still explore what it is exactly we are and what we do as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of part of that is is making your own sound and. Mm-hmm you know, being original within that so we can make, we can make an impression and an impact (coughs) on the theater community. Mm -hmm. So, whereas I think making covers was, was great for the the teeny tiny music show lounge act experience. This is kind of more of a, a a different experiment we're doing to see, okay, Mm -hmm. does this work better with telling the story? Because in some of our reviews and of course the notes that I got from my mentors who helped me um, develop the show, the one thing that they always said was that we don't know if the music helps tell the story or the story helps tell, helps explain the music. Mm. And I thought, yeah, like there was always that disjunct. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. there was one scene in the Teeny Time Music Show 2 in the Toronto Fringe where we had that seamless. It was the after dark sequence mm-hmm. that went into the Balkan sequence and all that was, was streamlined. It was yeah. good. But there were other times where it was kind of like shifting gears mm, yeah so we wanted to try to 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 flatten that and mm. make it more streamlined that the music is kind of interweaved with mm-hmm. the story mm. more so than than being kind of a episodic okay sort of experience now the first time that you presented this to anyone was as part of uh, theater pass Mariah's crap shoot yeah mm-hmm. yeah um and with crap shoot you present like what five minutes or in the first time yeah the first time is five minutes of an original piece. five minutes and then if you are selected you come back and do 20, 20? minutes yeah um so 
Well, how much did you have when you went in for five minutes? And like it, when you realized that you were going to be doing 20, was it a scramble? Was it <laughs> like, what did you have going in? Uh, I remember I was like definitely writing charts, like write, writing some of the original music that we that's been adapted to what we have now at the time, like night before, like night before rehearsal, like, holy crap, I really got to like figure out what the hell this is supposed to sound like, <laughs> uh, you know, because it, it was it was pretty tight, you yeah. know. Um, but we, I, I think that once we got the first one down, uh, the, the feeling I had was that the second one was a little bit smoother. Mm. Like we, you know, we, we kind of knew we had an idea of where we wanted it to go. It was just a matter of like solidifying what that yeah. would look like. Sure. And I mean, musicians are busy people, mm. like, especially during like the summer and into the fall, even they're very, very busy. It's hurting cats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have to like meticulously plan our rehearsal schedules yeah. like oh, two weeks in advance mm. to accommodate everybody's availability yeah. or else we won't have a show sure so i remember like when we did the first crapshoot the five minute one yeah. i literally messaged the whole crew and the whole band i'm like i really want to do this i think it's good exposure for us and i want to you know start get, get, getting seen by theater companies mm. professional companies in toronto and i think we need to do this Mm -hmm. No, and actually, I think you told me about uh, crapshoot. I probably did. did. I probably did. I'm and you're like, like, you should put Teeny Tiny into this. Yeah. And I remember it. I couldn't because I didn't have enough time. Yeah. But then it came around for this year. I said, I'm going to go for it. And I remember in rehearsal, we only had like two or three rehearsals for the five minute one. Mm -hmm. And we just ex like extracted from old, some old stuff that the musicians already knew mm -hmm. and kind of used that music. And then I slapped some monologue onto it and that was it. And I remember our trombone player, Nick, couldn't come to any of the rehearsals. And literally he was like, no, he came to some of the rehearsals, but he was like busting in the door, like yeah. like five minutes before yeah, we were yeah. about to go on stage because oh he God. had a gig. Yeah. And it was literally like, okay, Nick, like, you know, it's in this key, like yeah. improv, and that's what you're doing. And Nick's yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, I'm down. Like, that's yeah. what. He, he was coming in from a wedding gig. Yeah. Oh my God. So he's like, like there in his, uh, in his tux and all this stuff. And it's like, he's like, I'm ready. Where do you want yeah. me to go? And like teaching him the blocking, like five minutes oh, wow. before we go yeah. on. And oftentimes that's what some of our rehearsals look like mm. because yeah. it's just getting these guys availability when you have a crew this big and they're all yeah. like professional musicians is mm -hmm. so hard. So that's why like, sometimes it's a little bit like, stressful <laughs> yeah like we're all gonna have heart attacks yeah but the the end result i mean everyone has so much fun and the musicians yeah. love it and we keep entering each year with the same company yeah. so um so going from that five when you you presented that five minute piece yeah what was the reaction like in the room people were going insane yeah people really loved it they loved it because they didn't see the eight, like five, six piece band come in. Like mm -hmm. I came in with like my accordion. I did like a small little bit, did a monologue. And then I went and then I saw this guy and then six people come out all at once. That's amazing. <laughs> and they were like, whoa. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So then you, then you find out that you're, you're, you've, you've won the crapshoot and you have to do 20 minutes the next one. Now you have three months. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It, we presented the first one in September, and then we presented the second one in December. Right. Mm -hmm. So, 
we got some support from Theater Pass Mirai. Nice. We got free rehearsal space. Oh, that's so good. And we yeah. had like five rehearsals. So nice. we put it together in five rehearsals. Nice. I was writing the script, getting it looked at by a dramaturg. We were just, you know, I had some ideas. I, you know, was taking some formulas from Teeny Tiny and shoving them at Daniel mm. and being like, figure something out, write something. Wow. <laughs> and that's how we yeah. came up with the famous note passing sequence. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. uh, which is one of the, the star pieces in, mm -hmm. in our show. Um, Daniel, what is when you're writing for uh, for this? I don't know if I mean I, I know you're a musician, but yeah. do you have any? Do you have a theater experience, or no. do you like? So this is like you're coming at this as a as purely music from a musician's point of view rather than a theatrical point. of yeah, view. Yeah, like I like no real theater training. Like I did street performing for a long time, okay. which actually like I feel is not dissimilar from mm. theater. Weirdly enough. If only in the sense that, like, I think that when you, you know, I went to jazz school and all that mm -hmm. stuff, and jazz school, there's no conversation about the audience. Like, there's right. not, that's never, like, that. that's never a subject that gets addressed in your whole undergrad, hell, probably master's and PhD, too, if you mm -hmm. really ask. Um, but, uh, you know, but when we went out street performing, then that was something that I learned a lot about. So how to, you know, how to how to create music that's going to kind of land with your audience and get them engaged and get them, you know, keep them on, on track. Um, what I'm, what's interesting about theater and, um, and what has been kind of weird is like <laughs> lining things up with, uh, with lines. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, for sequences like note passing. Um, so right now, for instance, we're, uh, it's it, it's funny watching uh, watching new musicians learn the music for for sequences like that because like uh, because for instance we got a new keyboard player right now and she is she's learning this piece and everything is modular so it's like these little snippets that loop and then you wait for you wait for a cue and then you have to you have to move on and yes. sometimes the cue land lines up with your eight bar phrase yep. Sometimes it doesn't, so, you know, so it's, like, so then you've got your classic, like, wedding band tactics where you've got eye contact stuff happening, um, you know, and, and yeah. of course, this is stuff that, even in musical theater, like, musical theater's a lot more rigid than this in their writing. Sure. Because you've got a conductor who can just, who can just be, like, okay, this, you know, yeah. we're on to the next part, right? Uh, and you've got a click and you've got all that stuff. This, um, because we're all on stage and we're all completely visible, then you kind of have to be a little bit more discreet about that yeah. type of thing so that you're not stealing the attention from, you know, from, from the, the real performance, mm -hmm. uh, especially when you're not, when you're just playing as like just the rhythm section right. or whatever. Hmm. Right. So it's, uh, it, it's. It's very different, but I think that everyone in the band, like, you know, everyone seems to love it. I, I fi I've found it to be extremely interesting to uh, to work in, in this kind of mm. uh, environment, especially being someone who loves performance, yeah. like, a, as a player. But, I mean, it's, 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 it's sort of interesting. Uh, when I worked with uh, Keystone Theatre, we had... Um, our, our brilliant piano player, David Atkinson, who mm. was basically the only sound. We were doing silent film live on stage. So we would oh, create cool. these, these things. And the only sound was the accompany, accompaniment of 
the piano where mm. he was composing stuff that he would play along with us. Right. But we would cue it and right. we were really terrible <laughs> about doing things with the music because right. we're just fucking actors. So we sure. would do it when it felt right. Right. And so it was really incumbent on him to make it work. Mm-hmm. And so we often uh, put him through some difficult <laughs> yeah. uh, contortions. But also... Yeah. I um, believe the word is hell. Yes. Yeah. But interestingly, we did learn... Like, by the time we did our show, The Last Man on Earth, uh, yeah. over, over the course of, like, four fringe festivals. And so by mm. the time we were at the last one, it was a conversation where, like, we'd do something and he'd be queuing up. And he'd, like, just, like, and he'd do something a little different with the music. And that would affect the show. It was, right. like, this back and forth. And so it was sort of this interesting thing. But, yeah. you know, actors cannot, can sometimes not be great to musicians, especially if there's no conductor, it's not like meticulously put together like yeah. a musical yeah. would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is that a real struggle for, like you were talking about the new the new keyboard player? Yeah. Is this blowing her mind? Or <laughs> I think I think everyone uh, the first time that they do it, uh, they go, "Oh wow, this is uh, th- this is kind of weird." Um, but you know, I, I think that after a while, you start to. Like you know, part part of part of the beauty of working with musicians uh, musicians like we have is that mm. most of them are improvisers, mm. so they're they're already kind of used to thing like things being a little bit on the fly um, and being able to catch things. So uh, so what that also means is that you've got some really cool moments that just kind of appear every once in a while because you know because it felt right to you know for the guitar player to lay out, (laughs) right? It just felt like a good idea, you know? So, so I think that at first it feels like that, but then as people gain more, like get more into their comfort zone, Mm. then I think what's cool about this show is that there's a lot of musicians being musicians. Mm. Um, and it's got enough space for that. Yeah. Uh, it's not, um, you know, it's not, because it's not so so unbelievably tight like a traditional musical where mm-hmm. you know like where everything is really lined up down yeah. to the second right yeah. like you've got that click going in your ear yeah. and you know exactly where things are going to land and yeah. if you miss it it's super noticeable yeah mm-hmm. and if you you know and if you hit it then that's great and that means that everything can move forward but there's no room for like you know, for oh wait, we're having a moment with the with yeah. the vocalist, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't do that, and this right, show right. allows for for a bit more of that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Like one musical that comes to mind that's a little bit similar is Rent. Mm-hmm. Like Rent has a lot of spoken word yeah. lyrics that actually, like when you see the sheet music, and the sheet music is like scary right where it's like you know you have each of your spoken words underneath like each beat in each in right. each bar and everything lines up so like if if our actors don't have that training it's a struggle <coughs> yeah 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 it's a struggle for like you need to be able to listen and hear beats and mm, and yeah. measure what it is you know it's all that kind of actor training yeah yeah well what's interesting about about what you're doing is is and you mentioned this to me that that you had some of your your musicians who 
who kind of wanted to act in the show. Yeah. Which is... Which was like, really? <laughs> not, well, it was like... Because, you know, usually, sometimes when you say to the uh, the musician, so you're going to be on stage, and they go, they, excuse me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> let alone, like, okay, so we have lines for you to say, which is an entirely different thing. So what was that like, putting musicians uh, into the show while they're playing music, but also... Um, taking on like characters through the show. Honestly, we found some gems. <laughs> like people just bloomed to life nice. with skills that they didn't realize they had. <clears throat> you know, like one that comes to mind is our trombone player Nick. Like he's just so just grabs the idea and mm-hmm. he just goes with it. Right. And he's just so natural. And I'm like, this guy has never been trained in his life, and he's just being himself on stage. <laughs> and that's like to me amazing. That's yeah. the thing that you lose. When you go to theater school for four years, mm. you know, that, that, that just, that sense of just being in yeah. the moment, really, yeah. um, you know, and of course, you, you know, they have some issues with projection here and there, but all those things are very easy fixes. Yeah, yeah. These guys are like brass players, you know, mm. like yeah. they know how to use their body to mm. create sounds and it might be in a different way, mm-hmm. but it's not too far of a jump for them. Nice. So, you know. It was surprising to me to hear that they wanted to take on more, yeah. you yeah. know, and I think the Painted Lady version that you saw yeah. was, um, you know, we kind of realized after the whole thing was done that we didn't really integrate those musicians slash actors mm. as one thing. Right. Like they were either acting or they were playing. Right. right so right. I said, oh, yeah. What? What are we doing? Yeah, let's so just like blend this. Now little. the new friend show is like we're making their characters like a blend of oh, being wow. an actor and like having dialogue with their nice. instruments. Mm-hmm. It's nice. like kind of like you know how um, say like you're in Montreal and most most people speak to each other in French, but yeah. if you're not French speaking, they'll speak to you in English. It's the same way with musicianese. Mm. Like, yeah. <laughs> the characters nice. who speak musicianese mm. will speak that to each other. Nice, mm-hmm. <laughs> Daniel. You you play a role yes in in this show yes and how was that for you as somebody who's like more musician than actor um that's been interesting like i think so the fringe show um the fringe show was interesting because i didn't really know what to do with this character Mm -hmm. and um you know and i think my first thought was like okay well you know let's just let's just play what, you know, play what you see on the on the page, which is essentially the way that, you know, you do music. So it's mm. like the first time you do your run of a thing, right? Then you should probably just play what's on the page, get it get it right. Um, this time this time th- like through that experience though, I really learned some areas where it's like, man, that that was like that was cool and all. I think I can do a more interesting character. Mm. So so I've been like talking to Haley a, a ton about that and like trying to f- kind of flesh out what are better ways to to go and do this mm. How, what what are more interesting choices because that that seems to be what uh, acting is about you've mm. got the you've got these lines but then the way that you frame them is what makes uh, it are the choices that you have available to you that make the show Hmm. the show mm-hmm. right and that make the character a compelling character and that's always something i encourage in with my scripts and in rehearsal is that if you want to go somewhere else with the lines like i am not precious about my script yeah, yeah. like if they have instincts and they want to say something or they want to say something a different way mm. i'm like do that 
because that feels natural to you. Yeah. That's you yeah. coming from you. And so then by the end of the day, the script becomes like everyone's, nice. you yeah. know, and their own. And I want, I want them to be comfortable with that, you know, mm. and Ryan always, when he's in rehearsal, he's like, I never want to be the only one speaking in the room. Yeah. He's like, I want people to give me suggestions. Mm. I want people to like, give me ideas. I'm very open. Mm -hmm. So the process is very collaborative. Mm. Nice. And that's what I like the most about it, because the musicians come up with some hilarious stuff, like mm -hmm. hilarious stuff. Nice. I would have never thought of by myself. Nice. You know, they're they're awesome. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> aside from the uh, the lesson about um, the integration of the musician with the role that you talked about, were there other things that you learned from the Painted Lady um, presentation that was sort of really just like your first time, like? putting this in front of an, uh, an audience. Are there lessons that I taught you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I think the biggest one was that we wanted to see those characters who were musicians speak with their instrument. Mm -hmm. Like we were mm -hmm. missing that. The only character that spoke with his instrument was the, um, the object of affection, right. which was uh, quote unquote David in the show. Right. Um, and so when we looked at it, we got some notes from it, from our mentors. We went, wait, why, why aren't all the musician characters doing that? Mm -hmm, yeah, and mm -hmm. I think that that would, you know, the comedy of that whole thing would yeah. be just so much better and mm -hmm. that we're self-aware of the fact that, like, we are musicians putting on a theater show and that's what we're doing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the things we learned. Yeah, I, I feel like, um, like, because I'm, this is my first time music directing anything, mm -hmm. so that's, so one of the cool things that, that uh, I learned in this whole process was, working alongside Ryan and uh, and Joseph uh, to kind of leverage like, like to kind of develop this interesting compromise between how the musicians do musician stuff mm -hmm. and how to make that make sense from a blocking and staging perspective mm -hmm. uh, that still suits the needs of the show mm -hmm. um, and then you know and then having on top of that, the the added complication of a live audience who um you know who's all over the place you know yeah. like a bar is a, a bar is a cool space because people kind of sometimes they flock to the front but usually they kind of hang out throughout mm -hmm. so in a show like this you uh you learn that there that the whole place is your is your stage, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. uh, and there is no bad seat. You know, uh, a friend of mine came to see the show, and one of the pieces of feedback that he gave me, he got there late. He got in at the very back, and he was like, oh, man, you know, when I got in, I was like, crap, I'm not going to see anything. This is going to be horrible. <laughs> and uh, then, he, like, at the end of the show, he, he was telling me about this, and he's like, yeah, but, you know... I was totally wrong, you know, and actually I'd like to see the show again mm. from another spot in the bar, not mm. necessarily at the front, just for the sake of like witnessing different moments within the show. Yeah. And that's part of what's cool about, about this and about playing it in that kind of setting and with this uh, collaborative environment that meshes theater and music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, well I mean, one of the reasons why, like, when I the first time I saw uh, the Teen Tiny Music Show Lounge Act, I uh, knew out as soon as it ended that I needed to see it again, <laughs> and I needed to see it again because 
there were so many things I felt like I missed. I was like, wait, so when did the violin player come in? <laughs> it's like, when I was thinking, I need to know, like, when that happened. Oh and when did, like, so I came back just so that I could figure out the stagecraft of it. Wow. Because it wow. was like, I needed to see it more than once because it was so surprising that yeah. I was like, I need to know all these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Like, when does these things happen? So, yeah. and I think that that's sort of like, it's the same sort of thing. Like, mm -hmm. what's the experience like when I sit here? Yeah. What's the experience like when I'm over here? That's, which is an interesting thing about, yeah. about this kind of theater. That's mm -hmm. the beauty of immersive theater. And I, yeah. I can't get enough of that. Mm -hmm. That's everything that I stand for as an artist. Like, I'm super about getting out of the theater and going to places where we're going to get people to see the theater. Mm -hmm. yeah. We need mm -hmm. to reach out to more audiences than the theater people audience. Yeah. What I'm trying to do is get the music audience into my show. Mm -hmm. Because that is important. Yeah. The whole point of being an artist is to expand your audiences and to bring more people to understand the art. That theater isn't just one thing. Yeah. You know, it can be many, many different things. Yeah. And we talk about that so much in our community. Yeah. So those are the audiences that I'm going for. I'm going for yeah. music audiences, people who are like beer drinking audiences, people who like to go out to bars, mm -hmm. who like to hang out, yeah. have a good time, like. You know, you can talk and chat, you can take out your phone, you can just, you can tune in, you can tune out, yeah. whatever you yeah. want to do. You know, I want to create that space. Now, so the when theater you, is... Uh, well, now not, that now you're in a theater yeah. for this, which sort of like changes some of that outlook, yeah. um, which which is is challenging. Like, there's the instincts for people to put their phones away. Are you, are you going to encourage people to have them out? Or is that even something you can do with Fringe? There is no fringe rule that says we have to put cell phones off. All right. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to, I mean, yeah. we have to do a land acknowledgement yes. speech at the beginning of our, our piece. Are you, can you have them do it? So it's not like, do you have to do it or? Um, I think so. Okay. But I'm not sure exactly. Okay. That is the impression I was mm. under. But I think like to accompany that speech, usually people say and turn your cell phones off and I'm going to yeah. say and keep them on. Yeah. 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 You know, I don't yeah. really care. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of like one of those things where, you know, when I was working at the Ed Murphy Theater, we're always, you know, we tell people to turn their phones off and we're always like watching for people to mm -hmm. who are recording them. And yet there's that instinct that people have that, and especially uh, a certain generation of people have mm -hmm. that, that I need to record this or I need to, to capture this moment. Otherwise, how can I yeah. remember it? I want yeah. to share this yeah. with people, yeah. which is a way that, that you can, I mean, you can also leverage that. Too. Well, that's well, what I'm saying. Why would you it. want to shun away your biggest marketing mm. opportunity, yeah. which is your audiences? Mm -hmm. yeah. It's yeah. free marketing. Yeah. Why would yeah. I want people to not take pictures of my show while Absolutely. I'm performing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's the same thing about people who go, oh, I, I, I'm an artist and I don't have Facebook. I'm like, are you nuts? Yeah. Like, that's your biggest audience is Facebook. People yeah. I mean, are always on Facebook. This is the thing is, is... If you're making your own stuff, you at this point you have to leverage social media. Yeah, yeah. There's like that's almost more that's more valuable to you than like taking an ad yeah. in a print. Oh, hundred percent. Yes, yeah. it is because you know? all of like all of every single person I bump into mm -hmm. on the streets, even if I haven't talked to them in months, all of them know I'm doing a show. Absolutely, mm -hmm. they and do. That's important. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I care about. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But uh, there's one more thing I wanted to say yes. about learning things. Mm -hmm. One of the things we learned in the Painted Lady was um, uh, delay. 
how do we deal with sound delay? Oh, fuck, yes, of yeah. course. Because, because if we have a saxophone player all the way on the other end mm. and the space isn't properly mic'd, like our rhythm section who keeps together the entire music yeah and we have the rhythm section over here we have Stu on drums who's keeping everything together if there's a delay mm-hmm. they can't actually play in time well fuck yeah. yeah so i mean daniel's been talking a lot i mean you can comment on this yeah. about when we you know start making some more money we want to like have our own gear where we set it up we set up speakers we have the rhythm section mic'd mm. we have everyone mic'd so there we delete that issue entirely yeah but that's our biggest problem on indie level yeah mm. well and it's like there's that but also working in spaces that can accommodate that uh because yeah. there's you know like one of, one of the issues we ran into at uh, at poppers yeah was that um they you know their their place was like they just kind of put speakers wherever was like out of the way. Sure. Um, and what that led to was a ton of feedback issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, so it, so contending with sound on this kind of thing is really tricky. And you know, like I'm, I'm still kind of of two minds about it. Whether or not we need to get like, uh, whether or not we need to get a bunch of wireless gear for everyone mm. and just have everything going that way. <laughs> which is expensive yeah. but but doable or if we should go go the other way and just kind of just kind of live with that and because then you don't have to deal with like the technical issues of like feedback of course sure. the the issue still comes in where you know uh Haley and uh, and Kate the the co-star uh, are um you know they're still using these wireless body pack uh mics which which can be a little bit tricky to to work with. It's tricky, but it's also like you're trying to project over an orchestra that's like yeah 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 right there, which is which can be challenging. Yeah, and that's why we figured like when we got notes from um, the the people who are helping us develop the show, they were saying we don't care if we see anything, mm. everything. We care if we hear everything. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, we are even thinking like cheaper ways to deal with the, the audio mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. The people who aren't mic'd, what yeah. we're thinking about doing is like passing an SM58 between them. Like yeah. it's like wrestling match style, yeah, yeah, like yeah. mic passes, yeah. you know, yeah. like figuring out ways to get everyone mic'd in an inexpensive mm. way yeah. is like another thing that we're trying to overcome for the fringe mm. this well, and of it's course, <laughs> yeah, there's the most basic way, which we, which we've kind of tackled, uh, especially like, well, this is one of the nice things about having all this, uh, all this custom written music for the yeah. show. Uh, we, a lot of the arrangements are written around accommodating speech, yes. right? Yeah. So like, you know, uh, note passing is the best example because we've got the A section, B section where, you know, it's not just to keep it lively, it's like to keep you know keep the song going mm-hmm. we've got the a section you know it's nice and big and bold but the b section comes way down mm-hmm. and we do that on purpose because we need to accommodate speech yeah um yeah uh so i i think that that's you know that's kind of the lo-fi uh yeah. version mm-hmm. of, of that but it, it you know it's been pretty effective i yeah. think and it, it makes a big difference it yeah. does yeah now you guys did something interesting after your painted lady uh, uh edition i saw you did a, a presentation at a school we did mm-hmm. how yeah. was that that was incredible to witness how to get 
a high school audience to to listen to the show. That well, I mean, that's experience. that's always like that's always a trick Whew. when you're going into a school. Man. And I've done I've done stuff, and I did when I was in theater school. We did a, a, a tour of a of an educational show to high schools. <laughs> and it was I mean, this is was in the in the in the early '90s. So of course, the topic they were talking about was AIDS. Yeah. And um, so we're going into schools, <laughs> and we are trying to present this educational show. Um, that opens with a dance number, and so here we are, a bunch of theater nerds trying to look like dance, like we're cool and we're not. And we're at once. I remember at one school, and we get to the Q and A, and one guy stands up, and the first question that anybody asks is, is this guy is so, are you guys homosexuals or what? Oh. And that was like the whole like this was emblematic of our wow. of our, our experience. So the question is like, and you know the whole thing with that show, the dance number was supposed to grab the kids. Instead, it kind of. Yeah, it shut them down. Yeah. So how do you, how did you grab them? Well, the one thing that I really, I really aspired to was that if I was going to do a show about being in high school, I had to speak their language. Mm -hmm. Like we had to write lines that spoke their language, how people spoke, what they said, the language they used and, and, and make sure that that is honest and that is true to mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. era. You know, I would be opening up little notes that were passed to me yeah. in high school, and I would read the language. Mm-hmm. And and that those are things that ended up in my script. You know, yeah. some of it was like harsh and like awful. Yeah. You know, some of the things that kids say, like they're smart. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they're not stupid. They they know what things are. They yeah. know. Yeah. They know. So yeah. that I wasn't going to shy away from that when I wrote this piece. You know, I was nervous about it being controversial. I was ner- nervous about making statements as, mm. as an artist, um, especially with the content. Yeah. But it was true to the era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I stuck with that. And to my surprise, I, we got them. Yeah. By the end of the show, when we had the big final, um, the 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 fight between yeah. the two girls at the very end where we were like dissing each other back and forth. You know, there was one diss I make to Kate, yeah. the, the co-actor and everyone in the audience went, Oh, <laughs> yeah. like that. Like yeah. they were into it. Yeah. Was it hard to get them though? Like how were they, were they into it from the beginning or did they, That's how, a, did you have yeah. to like fight to get one them? One of the things I did was like, I spoke to them, you know how I yeah. start my shows. I usually keep it very casual. Yeah. I'm speaking to people. I, and then I go into the show gradually. Mm-hmm. That's kind yeah. of my thing. Mm-hmm. That didn't work so well with this crowd huh. because everyone is rowdy. Everyone's talking. They're talking to each other. They're waving to their friends. They're being goofy. So when I went into the show, no one knew. Right, right, right. Right. Of course, yeah. So it was like they were all so rowdy and I was starting to hit like plot points mm. and none of them were listening. So that was the one downside yeah. that I wasn't expecting going into uh, the high school show. Because yeah. in the bar, everyone knew when we were going into sure. the show. I yeah. joined the stage and I went, hello, everyone. Yeah. But in this proscenium, I was on the stage already. Yeah. And I was chatting up people in the mm. front row and stuff like that. Yeah. So no one knew that I was starting the show. Yeah. Huh. Well, and, and the thing about, like, being in high school, at least I remember this, the the worst thing that anyone can try to do is relate to you. Like, <laughs> you know, like when you're in high school, that's the last thing you want someone to do. You want, you want someone to treat you with respect, to treat you with dignity. You know, like, you don't, you know, the... 
the only people who walk up to you and try to relate to you are those people that that uh, that are trying to sell you the uh, uh, the monthly donation packages on the street. Like those are the mm -hmm. only people in our in yeah. our adult lives who kind of patronize us at that yeah. level where they're like, hey, I really like your backpack. It's great. You want to talk to me about uh, giving some money to water or yes. something? Yeah. You know, like that. that's the only time that, that anyone does that, you know. So, and, and kids, I think um, they get a lot of that because, well, because they're perceived as kids, especially in high school. And they're sure. not kids, really. Like, they're miniature adults, right? Yeah. And they've, they've figured out enough of the world. They have opinions, regardless of how maybe disconnected from the real world they may be. Yeah. But they still have those opinions, and they're formed on their experience. And, mm -hmm. and you kind of got to respect that, right? And, and that's part of, you know, part of what Haley's saying here, where you've got, like, this show that is, um, that's written about that era, you know, and yeah. that where kids... Where kids say things that yeah. are not, like, you know, not totally politically correct. Yeah. And kids behave in ways that are kind of inappropriate. Yeah. Right? And, you know, but but if you're not true to that, then you're going to lose them, right? Mm -hmm. So either you need to come to them, like, from the perspective, you know, because I've, I've done uh, uh, my own, like, high school stuff where I, I've been to high schools and done workshops on music stuff. Mm -hmm. And with them, it's like either you come in and you, you know, the way I treat them is I walk in as a professional and I'm talking to a bunch of professionals, right? Just yeah. professionals that don't have the same experience, but I still talk to them in that way, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's one way of doing it. Or you level with them at the level of, like, this is literally how you speak. This is, and you reflect themselves back yeah. at them. Those are, in my opinion, the only two ways of getting around that. Otherwise, you know. Well, they have, I mean, the thing that people forget is that is that uh, teenagers have an incredible bullshit meter. Yes. Like, when you, because when you're like, when so you're much like, bullshit. Oh, sure. When you're sitting down, you're being like, hey, you know, I'm a cool guy, and we can have a cool guy conversation, the two of us are like, <laughs> Fuck you, you fucking fuck. Is yeah. like, like, I know exactly what you're doing, you fuck. Yeah, man. You can't relate to me. Don't totally. you dare relate to me. That's yeah. exactly yeah. it. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly so, it. So you can't do that. You you either you either like go down, like reflect them right back at themselves. Yeah. Or you or you you go the opposite way. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but yeah, there's yeah. no in between. There's no there's no halfway point that mm. That's going to make anyone feel like they got anything out of the, the conversation, right? Yeah. So, you know, and, and that's that's tricky. So, you know, I, I think that that was, a, that was a tough thing. And, you know, one of, like, um, one of the things that I really would like to do with this show is I'd like to start shopping it around to more to more of these venues. So either, yeah. either bar venues, because one, one of the things that I, I wanted to mention earlier was that we had a bunch of people like at when we played the painted lady who were just at the painted lady like they just <laughs> they were just hanging out yeah. right and it's like like you remember that night it was yeah. sleet and disgusting freezing and it was not supposed to be that cold but it no, was but it was yeah yeah and it was miserable and like we got some we got a decent amount of our our sales off of them and but they were like really into it, yeah. and they really enjoyed it. Mm. And they, so far as 
the accounts I was told, they brought their friends. They they called someone up mid-show and were like, hey, man, yeah, I'm down at the Painted Lady. You should come check this out. Hmm. Right? And, wow, I didn't hear that. Yeah, That's I heard. Crazy. Yeah. But, you know, like, I think uh, one, my my old roommate, he was telling me something about that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. But, yeah. you know, but, but like, people just did that. Yeah. That was just a thing that they did because it was, like, a cool thing that was happening. Yeah. And, you know, same with at these high schools, right? Like, we had uh, we had the um, uh, district representative for yeah. the for the school who came out, and she was kind of, she was kind of interested in us, and... And, you know, obviously we toned down the language a yeah. little bit to yeah. make it more... Yeah, we took out the, a lot of the swear words. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, but she really enjoyed it. And, and you know, these are all ways that we can kind of branch out and get into more spaces, right? And, again, on the bar end, it means being maybe a little bit choosy about which spaces we go into. Yeah. You know, finding finding a bar owner that's willing to work with us. Who's also got a space that sounds good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the school end, you know, making sure that we kind of level with the teachers and be like, hey, you know, this is this is a very real way of showing these kids how how they are, right? And it's going to be that way. So if you're not cool with that, then we then we can't work with you. Yeah. Right. One of the interesting things is that I can see this working in a high school because it isn't overtly teaching them something. No. You know, mm-hmm. we're not coming in and being like, "All right, kids, let's have a educational conversation." Yeah. yeah. And you just be like, "We're just here to do this thing for you." Yeah. Tell your story. Tell your story, and then afterwards, if we have a conversation and you mention that you learned something, then great. Cool. But like, mm-hmm. yeah. That's not, not what we're here to do. Yeah. Overtly. Yeah. I think the greatest theater is theater that doesn't try to spoon feed you the playwright's own bias. Yeah. The yeah. greatest the greatest theater is seeing things from everyone's perspective and being able to empathize with your antagonists yeah. mm-hmm. and truly give them a point of view. And that's what I try to do all the time when yeah. I write a show. And one of the things that's interesting is is and it takes some bravery to to not feel like you have to tell the audience what you mean mm-hmm. because you know you you want to be understood but once you've done it it's not yours anymore mm-hmm. and that was one of the lessons that we learned with keystone theater because mm. um one of the things that you can't do when you can't talk is um tell the audience your backstory right yeah. they only know what they know right now mm-hmm. what they see and so what we started out people would be like oh this, there was a show about this and this is what happened this is what happened we'd be like that's not what happened. But after, <laughs> but after a while, it became like, okay, that's what you got out of it. Yeah. Because we started to be able to let go of what we thought it meant. Yeah. That's and it. And that's what you think it meant. Mm-hmm. And that's... That's cool. Awesome. Yeah. That we can all see the same thing mm-hmm. and be moved by it. But yeah. you saw something different than you saw. Which yeah. Which is always fun. That's yeah. real life. Yeah. yeah. Everyone Absolutely. Sees, everyone sees other sides of the story. Yeah. yeah. People yeah. are blind to other sides of the story. And that's why we have different perspectives. And that's yeah. why we have people falling out of friend groups yeah. and, and, and relationships. And mm-hmm. that's why. Yeah. Because we all see our own realities. Yeah. So that's yeah. what theater should be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should yeah. like focus group that shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do you? Th- yes. Well, I mean, the thing is that like, I'm okay with it being messy that way. Yeah. Me too. But it took me a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the first time that we did the Last Man on Earth, and people were like, 
oh, but it was this. And I was like, no, but that's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like I said, like, you know, we went for, we went Montreal, we went Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton. And by the time we were done in Edmonton, it was like, so what did you get out of it? Like, what yeah. do you think happened? Yeah. And I was fascinated by the way that everybody had their own interpretation. And it was so like being able to just let it go and just be yeah. like, you, if that's what it means to you, that's cool with me. Mm-hmm. Did, did anyone ever like nail it? Like just nail exactly your intention the whole way through? No, no, okay. no. But it was like, not a single person like didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And not a single person didn't relate to who we wanted them to relate to. Right. There were like nuances that were, that were, that were not quite what we intended, but they understood. Nobody was like, oh, that didn't make any sense. It was just that they were able to make sense of it mm-hmm. in their minds in the end. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, That's really yeah. neat. Um, so you guys are performing at the uh, the Randolph Theater, mm-hmm. which is a big space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's a big space. Um, a little different than Poppers. and a little different than the Baldwin House in Hamilton. Baltimore a little different than yeah. ba- the Baltimore House. Yeah, and a little yeah. different than the... Than, uh, than, then popper, you know, painted lady. Painted lady. Yeah. yeah, it's it's. Yeah. So this is a this is a an exciting an exciting thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, we were we were told uh, by our 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 people who yeah. who help us, our our mentors, our our fans, like go for it. Yeah, like, we need to. This is what we need to do with this. Yeah, mm-hmm. we need to make that proscenium goddamn exciting. Make yeah. it more. Make it more. You know, like. And I keep saying, like, I guess this is why we're doing it in this, well, this theater. Like, it's interesting because if we're looking we at Fringe, it. there is sort of a, a like, site specifics can be kind of ghettoized. Hmm. Yeah. They don't get all of the attention. No, they don't. They don't get a whole lot of attention. And so, no. like, f- for you guys to have this show noticed in a way that it, it, it needs to be, you kind of have to be in one of the venues that m- maybe... Yep. Is a challenge for you. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, so, and that can either hinder the show or help it. I yeah. don't know what that is yet. I mean, you know, we've already sold eleven tickets. Like that's cool. Well, that is pretty good I'm for like, this early. I mean, it's I'm like, like weeks away. I know. I'm like, okay. I think last year when I was doing the show in Poppers, like yeah. there was no fucking way I was selling tickets in June. Like, yeah. are you kidding me, man? Like yeah, that just wasn't a thing. T- yeah, we started selling sales, them. Like yeah, a week before. But yeah. that's one of the advantages to being hustle. in in the the main space, the main spaces. Yeah, and also, um, I mean, yeah, it's like one of the one of those things, and and, and then it's the hustle for like, once Fringe starts. Well, yeah, because people see shows in circuit. Oh, sure, in the they venue, do. Mm-hmm. and that's how we're going to pull in new audiences, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited about that mm-hmm. because I think a lot of our audiences last year were most of our friends. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that mm-hmm. was getting dry. Well, yeah, yeah. So, but again, also, that's this like this is the biggest house we've ever had. Well, that's the thing because that's never what had I like a 215 seater house before. That's the thing about that space is yeah. like it's like huge. Now you now we now you got to hustle. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's a different kind. It's a different kind of hustle. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm I'm scared as hell because we don't open on the 4th. We open on the 5th. Mm-hmm. And we don't have another show until the following Sunday. Yeah. Like mm. we have. So we got a gap. Yeah. We have a two day gap. Yeah. We only have one show to make it work before the views come out. And that scares the crap out of me. 
Yeah. But you know, there's something there's something about that kind of fear that can really be motivating. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, we went yeah. this year. We're gonna schedule busking in with the band. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We yeah. went from seven to nine with breaks. We're gonna be hustling that fringe tent with our band, mm-hmm. yeah. and playing if not inside, outside, yeah. and handing yeah. out our postcards like yeah. nuts. Because that's one thing we really screwed up last year. So well, we didn't yeah. we didn't schedule that and. Um, like, we didn't flyer the tent aggressively on the first yeah. week, and we lost. Well, I mean, because week. it's so important to do that. I know. Mm-hmm. And also also the venues, like, flyering yeah. lineups. Yeah. In yeah. And every fringe is different, but in Toronto, because of the way, the nature of the beast, like, the lineup is is so important to flyers. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's 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 got to be done. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, like, and, and part of what we're trying to do... E- like, you know, what what we're trying to do with these, uh, even, like, the little busking spots or whatever, like, they're really, like, little tiny mini shows, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. that are kind of immersive as well, which yeah. is which is cool. And part of the point of that is to, again, get people enough of a flavor in their mouth of what this, what the vibe of this is yeah. and entice them. Because I think that, like, you know, the number of, you know, walk down Queen Street and see if you can if you can walk out without a sample, uh, you know, a, a pamphlet, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, or someone yeah. screaming at you, you know, being like, buy this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. you can't you can't do it, right? No. David's tea will throw tea at you. Yes. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. You know, like you just can't get away from it. Yeah. Right. So so having someone ha- having something that's a little bit more, um, you know. A little bit more like, hey, jump in if you want, right? It's a different kind of. It's a different kind of. If you guys come in with some music that is not like, if your approach is not obtrusive, because people in a line, yeah, if it is a popular show, yeah, they are walking away with a stack of flyers, mm-hmm. or at a certain point, they're like, I'm shutting down, yeah. But you guys have the opportunity to come in with something a little different, yeah. Which is which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna do some experiments with that. Yeah, like we played around with it a little bit at Dundas West Fest, mm-hmm. where we were trying to do like activities, like the actors would kind of be doing things like skipping rope or something, yeah. and trying to get people to come in, and then the band would be playing mm-hmm. music. But, and again, it felt like kind of two separate entities. Yeah. But yeah. people were coming up. Like, people were jumping rope with mm-hmm. us That's and good. they were getting involved. Nice. But we haven't quite figured out how to integrate the two things yet. Like, make the music part of the activity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to try and accomplish. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see what you guys, what you yeah. guys have. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to stop, but thank you guys so much for having this conversation. Thank you. It's been great. Yeah. This has been a Homebody Productions production.